Hi, this is Now Showing Podcast number 25, and as usual, another extremely harrowing yeah. week. Well, yeah, well, at least one of the movies. At least one of the movies. Yeah. Uh, um, so before we start, we just want to make a note that this podcast will have mature content, um, and I wouldn't advise anyone under the age of 17 to listen to, the, yeah, to this, because one of the, movies because of, one of the films that we're going to be talking about right at the very end. Um, and the title is Megan is Missing, if, any, if, you, if you need to refer to it. But if you are under the age of 17 and requiring consent from adult, please do not listen to this podcast. Yeah. So let's start, obviously, with the first one, which was um, a movie that we saw in Shudder, Lingering, or it's also commonly known as Hotel Lake. Yep. Yep. Um, Korean horror, right? Yeah, Korean horror. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hadn't heard of this one, so when I saw it, I was intrigued. I mean, I love Korean horror. I love Asian horror in general. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. The story was a bit... It reminded me... Strange. Um, it, well, you know what it reminded me of? The Shining. Yeah, I was going to say The Shining. Um, it does channel a lot from The Shining, and it does channel a lot from, you know, like a murder mystery as well. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's a really good movie. I, I really enjoyed it, because you didn't really know really the ins and outs of what, what was actually really happening in the hotel until mm. the very end. So it kind of kept you on your feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of movies do not do that these days, no, that's for sure. Don't. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it wasn't, I mean, it was when we say it was a lot like The Shining, it is kind of predictable in that sense, but not in the in the way that you would think. Like, it's not predictable, you're kind of falling asleep, kind of predictable. It's it's predictable in the sense that it does follow a similar pattern to yeah, what happens to the main the character. The hotel the that they go to is haunted. Yeah. And or one particular room. One particular room. Yeah. And um, just like The Shining. But and that story is kind of tragic. The yeah. story behind it, just like The Shining. But like where they stay and the kind of surrounding area around it seemed very airy mm. and well, I mean, very they, secluded. Yeah. The hotel was way out in the what what wops. And the really odd thing is that it, even though it was right out in the Wop-Wops, you know, Wop-Wops is out back sort yeah. of thing, in terms of that kind of country, place, country in Korea, um, it was right next to a amusement park, yeah, park, an uh, amusement yeah. park, which is kind of weird in itself. It's just a little bit yeah, strange. It, it, I don't know. It, it definitely captures something very airy, and they're like obviously when they encounter the ghosts. It well, she encounters she. them. Yeah. Oh, I suppose the kid does in a way too. The kid does as well. Yeah. But yeah, there's like very interesting kind of like uh, duality about it. Like you you don't know whether if the ghost is evil or yeah. good. Yeah, and, and that's that's actually I the think, really best part of it. I think that's the best one of the best parts about the movie. Um, yeah, is that you don't really know who to trust. You don't. Well, when you say trust, I mean you don't know. I mean, there really isn't a clear line between who the protagonist is and who the antagonist is. No. Um, which is always interesting. And the girl, the main character, um, yeah, her story is kind of odd because it's like she's linked directly to this, this entity through her past. But she doesn't really realise what's going on until, like you said, like the very end, even though circumstances in her life would have probably had yeah, led her to believe. It's a weird, like, yeah. very closed book ending, but like, it's it's very kind of melancholy in a way because of what happened, like, mm. to, to, to all the characters, essentially. Yeah. It's just, some people just do horrible things. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that was terrible ending. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so it's, it's a bit of, it's kind, actually, you know what, it did um, kind of remind me of not so much Stanley Kubrick, but Hitchcock's... Uh, yeah, kind of on-your-seat thriller. Of, yeah. yeah. And I found it interesting that... Um, Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Uh, <laughs> Yoon Ying Ko, hopefully I pronounced it right, both written and directed this, and it was the first movie, I think. Oh, okay. They done. Okay, well, that's actually amazing. a pretty good... Yeah. That's actually a pretty good movie. I mean, you know, it's not a brilliant film, obviously. We only gave it two and a half stars. But for a, for a first attempt that's actually yeah, that's I actually it's pretty, really really good pretty good yeah um yeah that's I, I um really is it scary it. 
Mm. Yeah, I actually felt there's a few jump scares, but I wouldn't call it scary. It's more it's more unsettling than it is scary. I white knuckled the blanket a couple of times. <laughs> no, but like I think I think there were some scenes where like it was just yeah very awkward and mm. you you don't uncomfortable. You, and really uncomfortable because you mm. you don't know really what was kind of happening. Um, but yeah, yeah, some people don't like that in a movie, but I do. Yeah. Yeah, I prefer not... I mean, you know, there are some films that you see where you already kind of know what's going to happen, but it's still a surprise, yeah, and that's great. Yeah. But this movie really is kind of uh, purposefully throwing you off track, and yeah. I think it was done really well. Yeah, I think it's like two-thirds supernatural, psychological horror, and then the last part kind of traditional Ghost slasher. kind of... Oh, yeah, yeah. Slasher, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, very much so, yeah. And, yeah, it kind of breaks it up. I, I really liked it. Yeah. So that was Hotel Lake slash Lingering, L- Lingering, and it was 2020. We gave that two, 2 out of 5. Uh, 2.5 out of 5, sorry. Now, the next one um, was Please. always been a movie I always wanted to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Jeremy came to me with this film. Um, I'd never even heard of it, um, honestly. And it was from last year's, it was actually a film that was uh, premiered at our NZIFF last year. Yeah. Our film festival last year. Um, and I must have overlooked it completely because I don't remember it. But it definitely was there on the list. I checked. Yeah, <laughs> it and it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's very unconventional. What is it about, first of all? Well, okay, let's travel back in time to A Wonderful Time of 1994. Scotland. Yeah. Um, you can only imagine that um, techno is slowly building its momentum but a law has been introduced in Scotland where any outside music with a large crowd well it's it's music with a specific beat so a continuous beat so any music with a continuous beat that brings in large crowds of people is more or less banned yeah yeah so a group of people in Scotland, I would call them kind of re- rebellious, kind of... I suppose they weren't just teenagers, you know, some of them were in their 20s and, yeah, maybe even closer to 30, um, decide that they're not going to put up with that, so um, they... One one dude in particular creates a renegade kind of um, radio station that he suddenly, you know, he, he, he builds a large following over. Yeah. Yeah. And all of those people decide that they, they are not going to kind of obey this rule because they think it's ridiculous. And they create a rave. pretty much a legal a rave. illegal rave. Yeah. yeah, that's what that's what the uh, you know at, at the I mean at the very cusp of you know music at that time that this film kind of tries to tell that story of how difficult it was at, um, in the nineties to be able to do these sorts of things. Yeah, and you do see it from different perspectives, which is really good. You see it from the people taking part in this illegal rave, and then you take it from historical value as well. Yep. And also from a political one. Yeah, political one as well. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, the radio station reminded me so much of Christian Slayer's Pump Up the Volume. Yeah. Which is yeah, very, very so. anti-society. Yeah, anti society. Yeah, anti, yeah. Um, but... But the story of the two the main story, characters is actually yeah. quite interesting as well. And it's very deep as well. Obviously, um, the two characters, one comes from, I would say, a semi-strict family. The other one pretty much is on the cusp of... Becoming a criminal. Being criminal. Well, his brother already well, association. is. Yeah, his brother already is. Yeah, and even despite the odds of their upbringing and the people and their families and everyone else saying they shouldn't be friends, they continue to be friends. Yeah. And yeah, so as you were saying, like the like the two main characters, one of them's actually relig- comes from a religious family. Yeah. His family and very are strict. and strict. Yeah. And they don't want him hanging out with the brother of the criminal. Yeah. Sort oh, of he's thing. such a bad man. Yeah. And the thing is, his 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 brother was nothing like him. Yeah. I mean the the I mean he had that whole rebellious aspect about him, but I think that's what the other kid really yeah. liked in him, is that he was willing to push push things he was willing to question things yeah like you know like stand up to your boss yeah and like he goes i could just never do that yeah and, and he was like just go up to him and just say this yeah yeah i mean for him it was that easy it was that but easy. for his friend you know yeah. brought up the prim and proper way never to talk back to your elders never speak out of line that sort of thing you know that that that's like a completely foreign idea to someone like that yeah I, I, there were some things that um he said were just absolutely fascinating like 
people some some people say he was dumb but he's always the smartest person in the room yeah he and, said that and like they were just yeah like really but but that's just people being people like that's just people judging because judging, yeah and without even really knowing the person and yeah. let's face it everyone does this it is to a, very, a degree it is a very class yeah kind of movie yeah um but yeah. it's just it's very deep and very kind of sad in a way um of the other thing as well, which I thought really interesting, was it's in black and white. Yep, it's in black and white, apart from very small parts of the film, which which I thought was amazing the way they did that. Yeah, like integrated. Yeah. Slowly. So I mean, if you look, if you see this film and you look really closely, you will see there there are little bits of colour in certain places, like the boombox. The, yep. the, the the power on light oh, is red. Yeah, power on and light it, is red. And you know what? It's just amazing because it just stands out so much. So when much. you notice it, yeah, you can't notice, not notice yeah, it. Notice it. Yeah. yeah. Because it's black and white, and any any little small little bit of color just becomes so vibrant because of that. Um, but the music as well, I thought it, it's, you... it's straight. It's a time capsule. Yeah. It's essentially, and I th I find that really interesting. You know, Train Spotting is like another movie that's probably very comparable to this. Yeah. Um, well, apart from the drug use. Apart from but, the drug yeah. use, but it is very comparable music wise. Mm. But um, I did a deep dive, and the the music is. It's it's weird. It's it's so airy to pull something so perfectly aligned to the time. To the time. To the time. Yeah. Um, and just like fish, obviously they show stock footage of like Tony Blair and other yeah. things from that yeah. time, and it's just yeah, it's, it's amazing how they it's too weird. Yeah, it's amazing these days how they can recreate an entire timeline. Yeah, like it really is. And you know when you bring in everything, music, color, um, you know, just. Pol the political influence that, that was going on at the time it was I mean it was a very turbulent time in the UK oh yeah um, you know that that at that time Tony Blair had just had just come in power I think yeah. or was trying to he was trying to get in power or I think he was already a, like on the verge of being established um, and you know for anyone bo born after 2000 you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't know any of this this is yeah. this is you know really but it's actually quite important stuff especially if you live in our country because we are part of the Commonwealth still. Um, and yeah, it, it, it really does, it's kind of like a statement for the times, I think, this film, um, which is the reason why it got such great ratings and it's, yeah, really phenomenal. So I would, yeah, I, yeah I'm surprised we didn't have this on Yeah, uh, and another thing as well is this is based on a play. Yeah, a play. I know. Yeah, I don't so understand that. That's I, don't, I mean, whoever adapted it did a great uh, job. I, I think the person that actually wrote it did the screenplay as well. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, Kira Hurley. Yeah. Um, but there's like there's there's some things in this where I I still it won a think, BAFTA as well, didn't yeah, it? For best I, actor. I think so. Best actor, yeah. Now that the main, not the um the religious, the guy that plays the religious kid, but the other actor. The guy that played Spanner. Yeah, Spanner. Um, he won a BAFTA for his performance in this. There's like this amazing kind of weird kind of footage at the very end when they're at the rave and it's all in colour yeah. and it's like kind of a snippet of like montages of like what they used on the back panels at raves and stuff yeah, yeah. in full colour and the and the flyers that they the used flyers. to use yeah and then it's very psychedelic yeah and then it mm. slowly just transitions back into black and white yeah um yeah. what another thing I really loved about the movie is you know when you watch a movie and it just ends and you're like wow whatever happened to those characters yeah, and it, it gives you yeah. that much more it yeah. gives you like a 10 year update in the future mm, which is awesome and because sometimes you know sometimes you do walk away from a film thinking I wonder what happened to the character yeah. afterwards wonder what you know did they do this or and did they do that yeah it's pretty melancholy because obviously what they tell you what the main characters do it's kind of sad but kind of understandable like yeah I mean, how, how many times have you grown, you know, I mean, this is for people like us who are, you know, older. older, but I mean, even when you are younger, you know, there's people that you, that come into your life and leave it just as quickly, and, you know, when you're older, you're kind of thinking, what oh, I wonder what happened to that yeah. person, but, but of course, you never ever run, run into them again because you've moved on and you've moved away, but I mean, that, that's the reality of life, sometimes people don't follow you through your, through no. your, through your life. You, you see them for one part of your life, and that's it. It's a very melancholy movie that in is a way. Kind of, yeah, yeah, that is kind of melancholy in a way. Um, because, I mean, I've, I've had instances like that myself, which is why yeah. this film was so relatable. Yeah, for me. and I think that's the very kind of fascinating thing about this. It's, it, de it definitely captures a moment in a lot of people's lives where they, you know, kind of rebel or do something they shouldn't. Yeah. And then it gives you that little bit more. And um, 
I can see why this moved it so well. Yeah, it was, it, it was, it's been really highly rated right across the board. Yeah. Metacritic, you name it, IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, anywhere you look, it's amazing. We gave it a 4 out of 5. 4 out of 5. Yeah, and it was, yeah, if you get a chance to see Beats, definitely check it out. Okay, now. Okay. So, <laughs> so, we were talking about King Arthur movies. Yeah. And let's transition to somewhere else. We only seen a couple so far, so we'll, we'll talk about these two. And I think I think these two are, the, are definitely are, the heavy hitters. Are, are, of I reckon the heavy genre. hitters. Yeah. Um, this is one that I chose, yeah. and you chose, and I think you chose the other one. Yeah. Unforgiven. Nineteen ninety two. Nineteen ninety two. Again, if you haven't seen this movie, Shane. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so, so from my understanding, um, I think. Clint Eastwood was given the script in the 80s and just was like, yeah, I'll do it eventually. And then 10 years later, he finally did. Um, but Thank goodness for it's, all of us. <laughs> it's a really um, comeback for him, I think. Because, and let's face it, in the earlier days, he did the traditional spaghetti westerns and... Yeah, like Fistful of Dollars. Fistful was of it dollars. Fistful of Dollars? Yeah. The Good, the Bad and the Ugly. Yeah. With Yul Brynner. Your Brenner was in that one? No, it wasn't Your Brenner in um, the original Magnificent Seven. Oh, was it Magnificent Seven? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, and yes. he wasn't in that one. I, I, yeah. I'm trying to remember. Jesus, it's been so long. Yeah. Um, but what's fascinating about Unforgiven is the duality of this film. And I did talk about it in the review. In the review, yeah. Um, you did a great review, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> On our um, website, please read it. Please read Get it. Get a chance. But it's weird because, you know, when you really want to champion the good guy and you don't know who that is and that's and, and that's the thing no one is good in this movie <laughs> well they are and they're not and i suppose it does depend on your ideal of what a good person is yeah. i mean is a good person someone that stands up for those that can't yes yes it is and is a good person someone that chooses chooses to Thinking, defend those that uh, you know what it's sorry to, i'm so sorry to interrupt but thinking more about it and uh david peoples the guy that wrote this also wrote blade runner and you kind mm. of think and 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 that movie as well um is deckard the bad guy in that yeah because he's killing yeah. someone well, who's really trying to escape from being a slave yeah exactly so yeah. it's like this almost so he's duality yeah he's really again. good at writing characters like that because honestly clint eastwood's character the the characters he is menacing in this Honestly, in this movie, are amazing. And I have to admit, I think probably Gene Hackman, this is probably Gene Hackman's best role. Oh, oh easily, easily. There were some moments where I was absolutely yeah. terrified. I actually hated him. Yeah, and I think <laughs> I it's, moments where it's I was... quite interesting because, like, um, before Hannibal Lecter came, you know, I don't know what year Hannibal Lecter was. Mm, no idea. Why are you Gene, about No, that? but, like, Gene Hackman, like, there were moments where... Oh. Gene Hackman was just like, when mm. he was just looking at someone and you just, mm. he was just sheer evil. He, you know what, this is the, and that's the, that is the most defining factor of this film, I think, is that you do not know from one person to the next who, who the good guy is or who the bad guy is. Because the bad guys are not who you think. Yeah. And the good guys are definitely not who you think. Yeah. And, and actually, it's more, it's more like, it's not really black and white, it's more grey. In fact, everyone in this shot, in this movie, sorry, is kind of grey. Yeah. Goes but to parts more grey, I think, than black yeah, and white. Yeah, and the script is written so well. So basically what happens is the very start, a prostitute gets her face sliced up by these two cowboys. Mm. The sheriff comes along, stops it, and has to pay, essentially, they have to pay, essentially, a fee to... The sheriff, well, not the sheriff, no, no. but to the owner of the establishment, horses. But the prostitutes are so angry with that. What's law, happened? To what's her. happened is they essentially pull all their money together mm. as a as a reward. As a reward yep. to hire assassins yep. to come and kill those two cowboys. Yeah. Now you got to understand. This is the, back in these days. This was the what the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, I think it was eighteen. It was a late. It was eighteen seventy. I think. Yeah, around that time. Now at, at this time, bounty hunting was a thing. It was a big thing. It was. It wasn't unheard of to have um, people actually going after bounties from town to town because that was a really good way to survive. And 
what I love about this story is that it actually helps me a lot because yeah. it, it gives you that whole insight into what it would be like to be someone who lives on the edge of, I guess, the law and, and, actually, and actually creates their own rules. Yeah. Like, like, you know, Clint Eastwood's character... I mean, when you first meet him, he's not like that. When you first meet him, he's reformed after many years of leaving that life behind and having a family with, you know, having his wife and then having a family. Um, and it's only after his wife passes away that he's pushed back into this yeah, life. Yeah, he's like, he's on the cusp of, like, knowing that he's got to do something ultra bad to get somewhere good. Yeah, yeah. Not like Ned, played by Morgan Freeman. And yeah, I think Ned kind of went along with him just because. I think Ned went along with him to make sure he was okay. Yeah, and also because he needed a break yeah. from his wife. Yeah, two trees. <laughs> she looked angry yeah, all the time. She... Eh? <laughs> yeah, That's even awesome. e even Clint Eastwood's character. I love it at a. Like, yeah. she, she doesn't speak to me. But I tell you yeah. what, she doesn't miss a thing. No. As soon as Clint Eastwood showed up on their property, she was looking at the gun. Yeah. She knew exactly why he was there, but yeah. It's such the characters are so yeah. rich and um, layered. Gene Hackman plays for Sheriff of Big Whiskey, and um, oh, he oh. Sh he has like this moral compass. <laughs> Does he? Of nothing. <laughs> he is so brutal. Yeah, it's non-existent. Like his moral compass. Like, oh my. You know, God. This, you know what happens. This is what happens when someone who's had too much control for too long and no one to challenge that control. This is what happens to them. They become this person, the per a person that that's that doesn't care what they have to do to get something done, whether it's you know completely beating a man to a pulp in front of an entire town. I might add, this this is the corruption in the highest degree of power in this in this whole. I mean, it really is a struggle, a struggle a, a, like an internal struggle yeah. with these men, like like for Clint Eastwood's character, Bill Money. For him, it's a struggle of it's a struggle inside of, of um, you know, I, I don't want to bring out the person that I was, but for this kind of situation, I don't yeah. have a choice. I think I think after like towards the end, he just snapped. Yeah, of course, um, because his best friend was killed. Yeah, but it's just. I mean, what so... would you what would you do? Oh god. You know what would you do if you had the skills to fight for for someone? Would you use them? There were just yeah, there were moments where like. Answer the question. <laughs> Would you? Would you? Wow, it's a, back in those days. It's different. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. That's the point I'm trying to make. It's I like, know. but even, but even when you apply that whole logic to today, obviously you can't walk around with a gun. But you know what? Some people do. <laughs> those are the people that make news stories. You know, they just walk around. Yeah. And you, and the thing is, no one thinks. You know, everyone wants to know why, why, why did they do this? I mean, obviously, if some people are criminally insane, that's different. This, that is definitely not the situation here. The situation is kill or be killed, basically. The the things he said were like he stroke he just put so much fear mm. into people, and you could see why he was mm. just so. Well, he didn't miss the thing is no. he had eyesight issues as well. Yeah. Can you imagine how good he would have been if he uh, back in the well, day when he in, well when it was, was even like... worse when he was young because he was constantly drunk. <laughs> but the stuff he was saying to yeah. Ned. And like you know, like it, another thing about this movie is notoriety. Was it notoriety? Yeah. Yeah. Like him and Ned only talk to each other about killing, mm. but they never talk to anyone else. Um, the Schofield kid was like just so open about it. Yeah, that's and because he didn't know what he, he was didn't doing. know what he's doing. So yeah, yeah. So the interesting part about it, if you take a look at the the theatrical poster, is that the Schofield kid, who's actually I think a minor character. I think it's one of the most important. Well, yeah, but the thing is, he's, he is, because yeah. in the poster, he is the biggest character. Yeah. Because it's because of him that they that they do, they go on this journey yeah. in the first place. So, yeah. And, and he ends up being, this is, what I, this is what I mean, and this is what Jeremy is trying to say about the duality. He ends up being the one person who doesn't know anything about killing. Yet he's the one that's going, like, on, going on this journey. Going on about, yeah, yeah I killed, killed so five. Many Killed yeah, killed five, five men. Yeah, Stone Cold killed them. Yeah, boasting, yeah. boasting about it when he actually was telling lies the entire time. And then that that scene at the very end, well, close to the end, when he's talking to Clint Eastwood and about like, it, this and is my he first starts time. crying. Yeah, and yeah. he goes, "This is my first time." And then like he just turns to him and went, "Hell yeah. of a thing, killing yeah. a man. Hell yeah. of a thing, killing a man." See that it's, line it's itself. Very, 
very deep like yeah. this movie is actually it's very haunting and the way it, again it's very similar to um beats where it does kind of give you a glimpse of what happens afterwards mm. obviously with with him mm. and i don't know i feel really conflicted about the ending because he's a mm. bad dude yeah yeah well that, see that's the thing i don't see him like that i see him as someone who tried really hard to reform but it was like um you know it, it's exactly as, as i was saying before and in, in the in, my, in your review when you were talking about um the duality of the character i think with with uh, Bill Money, the you know Clint Eastwood's character. I think with him, it was just it was slightly more important because he was a man that had reformed, but then ended up becoming that person again because of the situation. Yeah, and I noticed like when he went out and goes, "If anyone dares shoot at me, yeah. I'll kill your wife, and I'll then I'll kill, kill all children. your kill children. I'll, I'll kill, kill your family, yeah, your family and everyone yeah. else." And everyone was just, like yeah. totally shook, apart from that prostitute that just smiled. Because she oh, just yeah. essentially the one just, that was cut up. She was yeah. essentially like she, they just awoken the dragon. Yeah, yeah, and he got the money too. And then moved to San Francisco. Yeah. Well, that's what they say. Wow. Yeah, that's what they said. I know. As, and then again, that's what we speculate. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I, this movie is a treasure. I tell yeah. you. Yeah. Definitely see it. And we're 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 on the um we're on the Wild Wild West train right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. And and really enjoying it. Yep. So that segues into our next one, which is Dances with Wolves. Yeah. Another really huge, epic movie. Yeah. I, um, Very close I, together, too, these, these two in the 90s. Yeah, both yeah, in the 90s. The, a couple of years apart. Um, mm. The crazy thing with Dances with Wolves is we saw the... What's it, the, the director's, director's, cut, director's cut, which, which is, is an extended extended version. Almost four hours long, and we had to watch it over a couple of days. Cause yeah. Because it's, it's a... It's best, basically two movie lengths um, in one. It's... Again, like it's it's a weird movie to see again because there's so much I forgot about, but mm. it's it's again very kind of I think tragic, a, haunting, mm, and beautiful. I think it's a beautiful movie. It's it's it's, it's crazy to think that shot. Kevin Costner directed this and starred in, and, and I think produced. Yeah, he didn't he, write it. No, he didn't write it. No, that was written by Michael Blake. Uh, and he also Michael did Blake. the book as well. Michael, yeah, the yeah, writer the wrote it. Yeah, yeah, Michael Blake. Yeah, so this is based on a book which I actually didn't know. Um, and this is obviously these movies are rewatches. We've seen these movies before, which is the reason why we know so much. But I mean, this the last time I saw this movie was a, a while ago. I'm talking a long time ago. So I didn't really remember, as Jeremy was saying, I didn't really remember a lot about it, except one thing I did remember was that at the time I, was, I saw it, I don't think I appreciated it for, for what no. it is. Yeah, I didn't have, I didn't have the, you know, the experience or the knowledge to really talk about a movie of this scale. Um, with any semblance of understanding and I probably still don't but I think I'm doing a little bit better now than I was because I understand a lot more that this movie has a very important message it, it really all depends on how you look at it um, obviously it's quite controversial because it is about a white man um, played by Kevin Costner who um, kind of he loses him I mean he loses himself in this whole wilderness frontier that he that he's aching to yeah, see but but he finds himself as well yeah. and that's what i think it is really a movie of it is really an action film but it's also a movie about an inner it's, journey yeah inner journey and discovery yeah it's obviously um it's it's taken just at the civil war and pr mm. practically he he's on the verge of losing his leg and i think he wants to die essentially that's why he went on, on the horse well i think yeah I, I agree i think he got to the point where he was so close to death that he just thought you know what there's got to be more to life than yeah. this and i think yeah. that may have prompted him to do what he did yeah and then yeah. yeah it's it's a weird movie because um he decides obviously go out to the plains yeah where no one wants to go and it's like, like the one place nobody goes yeah and I, I would like to know more about that guy that went mad like called himself a king or whatever oh, yeah, yeah. And that's a that weird was, sequence yeah. as well. And obviously what happens is he goes out, he gets his commands from a guy which is practically going insane. I don't know if it was mental illness or because he he's, he's so far away from civilization. Mm. And then and then obviously he gets his marching orders. But the thing is, no, he doesn't because that's his choice, remember? 
He chose to go. Yeah, to I know. That's what he wants. Yeah, do. wants to do. Yeah. So he shows up there, and the and and this guy when he is actually talking sense and not being nonsensical, which is what he's like most of the time when he's talking. Um, he says to him, "Why do you want to go there?" Yeah. Because nobody wants to go to the yeah. frontier, because because of lots of reasons. The main being, it's totally isolated away from any kind of civilization at all. Um, two, it is on the verge of being like the the in like the uh, Native American. I don't want to say Indian, but they called them Indians in the yeah. movie, right? Native Americans um, are very much alive and active at this particular time on the frontier, yeah. which is always a risk to any white man going out there. So it's basically signing your own death warrant. That's how most people would have seen it. And he wants to do this. He embraces it entirely. Yeah. It's like, yeah. cool, I, I want to do it. I want to see bison. I think that's practically <laughs> the only reason why he wanted to do it, see bison. And in, the wild, like, in the wild and not and like wild, running, yeah. like not, not in a zoo or whatever. Well, yeah, not being captured by skinners and trade traders, yeah. skin traders. But, oh, there's just so many facets of this film. Like, yeah. like there's his his personal journey, and then there's his experience with the with the Native Americans. And then it's from their side as well. Yeah. And then it's almost from the the other white men or the army. The Union. The Union. Yeah. Um, but it's, who were horrible, but I'm they were, Yeah. And they was, were depicted as horrible people. The majority of them, anyway. And the one guy that was any decent got. Yeah. The one got, one got. Yeah. I, I think he, he did a service, but I, I, I think this movie does amazing is capture um, wh what it was like for the American Indians, mm. or Amer Native, Native, Native Americans. Americans. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it had the thing I loved about it was how its authenticity. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the Native American I think they actually people... got. I think they actually got someone to do all the translations and everything. Well, a couple. Well, okay. So at least I know at least two of the people. Sorry, three of the characters that played the Native Americans are of Native yeah. American well, ancestry. Well, there's obviously Graham Greene, Rodney A. Grant, Floyd Red Crow, yeah. Westerman. Yeah, Ten Bears. He's uh, the guy that played Ten Bears. Tantu Cardinal. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Herman. So. Yeah, so 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 the casting alone was magnificent for this film. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, they are definitely, you know, the language. He, he I don't know how much Kevin Costner had to learn, but it sounded to me like he was he was, he was speaking willing. fluently. He he he, by he, the put, end. he put the extra effort in, not mm. like some actors do, but um, or don't do or don't do. Yeah, yeah. um, but it's epic. Just, it was so epic and just like um, like. I think he, I think he embraced the Native American culture more because how simple it was yep. and how like nice they were to each other, and they didn't really judge. Like once they, once they obviously got to know him, and they were so intrigued. And I loved um, Kicking Bird. Kicking Bird. His Grand relationship Green. with Kicking Bird. Yeah, because he was so like they were like almost like mirror Im mirror images like of each other. Opposite souls. He, oh, opposite. Yeah. And like yeah. He, and he was like, oh, they're quiet one <laughs> and he was yeah. like and the other guys always asking questions and it's just like so awesome yeah but there was something in it and there was a line in the movie that kind of really spoke to me about um when he was talking about his isolation in this area and his journal okay so this film is narrated from a journalistic point of view so he's actually writing on i don't know if he wrote daily but I think he tried to write I think he tried as he could as much, yeah. in his journal and then he's taking that, that information and relaying it to the audience. Um, so it's narrated all the way through, which I, which is just brilliant. Because it really is like a story, like, you know, someone's reading, real like someone re yeah, reading yeah. a book to you. Um, and he mentions in that about being isolated in the area and how he didn't mind that isolation because there's a... And honestly, there is a difference between being lonely and being alone. Yeah. And I think that was the point he was yeah. trying to make. And then he said something afterwards. He goes, um, he goes, even though I'm alone, I miss my friends. The Indians. Yeah. Oh, sorry, the yeah. Native Americans. Native Americans, yeah. yeah. And I thought that was kind of sad and a bit yeah. melancholy in a way. Yeah, but he was also tough enough to, to, to be able to take the isolation and embrace it not and not you know not recoil from it yeah yeah it's it's a very it, it does end I, I i think it ends very abruptly but um, it kind of has to though because at that time yeah. like like it said like 13 years later that was it that way of life was gone for that for the native americans because they just moved in on the, the the union and and the and the, the government just moved in on all of their territory and forced them out 
Yeah. And, I, and I don't know when the Reservation Act, you know, when they had like the whole, um, when they turned a lot of the land into reservation, well not a lot, but some of the land into reservations and just put them all in one place. I don't know when that happened, but that was the start of it. Yeah, that was the start. Yeah, that was the yeah. start of it all. It's, it is a beautiful and haunting film, but at, mm. at the same time it's very kind of... It, Jeez, it's, it is it's kind of sad. sad. It's sad for the Native Americans because of the way that the, their way, entire way of life was taken from them. And I mean, I don't know how much you know about Native Americans, but this film gives you a very, very interesting insight into that. Told from many angles as well. Yeah. Um, Which is what I love. But about. at the same time, it, and it, it won eight Academy Awards. Yeah, eight Academy Awards. If Kevin Costner didn't get one, he got he got it from something else. And yeah. I think he got one for for um, he got director. one for direction. Yeah. Yep. And he got one for production. I think. Yeah. Was it director? Production. One yeah. Nice. yeah. But it so, won a lot. Yeah. yeah. I, I, this movie blew me blew, blew my me away. Mind. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm I'm so happy I saw it again because honestly, people would the first thing people say to you about this film is oh it's so long and it's kind of boring. It's like it, it's long yes, but it's honestly if you. Yeah, I can't even say how. Yeah, you know, I can't even I, I explain. Think, I think it does wonders as well because he's so isolated and you kind of really feel that you're there. Like, mm. the times he's kind of just looking up at the sky or he's just walking around. But see, the thing I loved about his character was that he made the most of his situations. Yeah. He wasn't, he was such a, um, he was, what was it, what's the word? He was such an adaptable person. Yeah. Like, he adapted to the, to the, you know, to the, to the, well, the, I suppose the rugged country that he was that he was in, I think much was, better yeah, yeah. than I expected any any. I'd be interesting to see what his life was like before the Civil War, if he lived out in the country or whatever, because he seemed very kind of like that, you know, mm. like he could he could just do almost anything. With yeah, and I think that's movie. the reason why he he fitted so well into Indian Native American society, yeah. because he was one of those people that was willing to move and like I mean. That was one thing that you mentioned about how nomadic the Native Americans are. Yeah. I never thought of that until now, and yeah. this film depicts that exactly. And I think he kind of was like that exactly. as well. He, never really he was had a Roma, a Roma. Yeah. And you know, and and people like that, they they, they just make they you know this you know there's that saying where uh, my my hat sorry my home home is wherever I lay my hat. That's very much like that. Yeah. He is very much that type of person, and I think that's why he fitted in so well. Yeah, I th I think staying at the fort for. X amount of time, and obviously once he once he came across the Native Americans, that was it. He was going to move. Yeah, yeah. They even gave him, set him up a little teepee and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I loved it, and um, yeah. If you haven't seen it, I wouldn't mind seeing the other movie that well, I mentioned before. Man and, called Horse. Yeah, and people yeah. said that it's Man called Horse. Dance of Wolves. Yeah, we could, we could look at it. Yeah. Yeah, Man called Horse. So that's yeah. So that's dances with wolves. So we've got two more films on our agenda. Um, Run. Yeah. Run was on Netflix. No. Shut up. Hulu. 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 And yeah, I thought it was okay. Um, I think it kind of um, copies a lot of things. I really, you know, what it reminded me of Misery in a way. Mm. Yeah. Misery without the hobbling. Without the hobbling. Well, yeah. different sort of hobbling. Well, she was hobbled. Yeah, she was hobbled. <laughs> well, she wasn't hobbled in the sense that she was, you know, the, the, the technical hob way that yeah. you hobble a person. But, yeah. yeah. So I, I, what I found interesting about this movie was... Sarah Paulson is great. I Sarah, like yeah, but she's awesome in everything. Uh, American Horror yeah. Story, she's a gem. Um, is the conditions that the daughter had to go through and everything. Like, when life gives you lemons, she she practically had it. Like she had everything bad, um, but she enjoyed it. And the story is actually really quite strange. Yeah, it's. I mean, it starts off with Sarah Paulson's character who's just given birth, and her baby is se severely premature, and as a result of that, the baby dies. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you don't really know what's going on because you because it, it tracks about what uh, seventeen years later, and she's living with her daughter so the only thing you can think from that is she had another child at some point yeah yeah and um the story goes from there so it's it's really kind of a, what is it what do they call that disease munchausen munchausen's the disease? Bioproxy. by proxy yeah yeah so it so if you don't know what that is i had to wikipedia i didn't know what it was when i first heard of it um it, it's it's where you have a situation where you're parent or someone that is in control of you when you're a teenager or a child um, 
tries to basically sabotage Pre your entire life. Yeah, prevents you from Because they don't anything. want you to leave. Um, That's what it's about, right? And yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. Essentially, sharp like, objects. Like sharp objects. Yeah. She does it as And well. to do that, they do criminally insane things, like poison you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, over, over years and years and years, without yeah. you knowing it. Yeah, I loved that um, the actress that played the daughter mm. was, was smart street enough. smart. Yeah, and smart was. and like um, she was do, smart enough. Yeah, and like she, she was always as soon as something was wrong, she, she was like Nancy Drew. Like she yeah. had to investigate. Exactly. She, she knew. Yeah, and that that's actually one really interesting part of this mm. film. Is she she is you know what she would make a perfect detective. Yeah. Because she went to the source. She was doing everything she could to outsmart her mother. Yeah, and him, uh, what's interesting about it was her mum was smart enough, so they were kind of bouncing off each yeah, other. Yeah. Like she goes, like oh. a game, like a game of chess. Yeah, game of chess. Yeah. Like, oh, how did you know the internet was out? And then she yeah. would have to go, oh, think yeah. of something real quick. Yeah. There were there were some really interesting things about this movie. Yeah. Um, but Sarah Paulson in this was just, oh my god. She's really good at playing damaged people. Scary people. Mm, because she she's also in Richard, right? Yeah, she's in Richard. She plays the main role. Ratchet? Richard? Richard? Ratchet? Ratchet. One, yeah. It is Ratchet. Um, and yeah, she plays like a... Nurse or something. Kind of like an angel of death sort of yeah. thing. But she's brewing in this. Mm. And like, um, it's a very kind of slow burn because you, it only really kind of picks up towards the, the end. end. Yeah. When you learn everything. Everything becomes known to you. I mean... Is it a bit predictable? Mm, yeah, maybe a little. Yeah, maybe a, a little. little bit. Um, I think towards the end it does. Yeah. Um, but it does have a very kind of satisfying conclusion. Yeah, you had that sense of relief that she, she got her just desserts. Yeah. Yeah, she got her just desserts. And then desserts. obviously it, it, it does end. But uh, it's weird because it's predominantly just a movie about two people. Yeah, and that's it. But that's, that's But I mean, that's... It's it's like an it's like an investigation into the relationship of these two, one of them very damaged people. Yeah. Yeah, broken by I don't know what. <laughs> she was broken. That much yeah. I'll say. And her daughter and and for her daughter, to be as like resilient as she was was actually quite amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Just Absolutely. when you when you know when you realise exactly how much she's been through. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And now we are up to. The, the last, last movie, movie and um, we left it till the very end because it is this this what we're going to talk about may be disturbing and this is the reason why we don't want anyone underage listening. We'll say that again. So this is at the X rated part or M rated part of our Yeah, podcast. I would say M and yeah, M rated. Yeah. Uh, Megan is missing. Megan is missing. Two thousand eleven. Now, um, something I do want to say is no, we didn't watch this just because of the TikTok thing. So if you're wondering about that, we actually. This has been on my on our watch list for many years, um, and oh no, a couple of years. And I've had friend, friends of mine that have seen this film and have said to me twice not to watch it because it's so disturbing. And it really is. Yes. That's an understatement. Yeah, it's, yeah that's an understatement. Uh, um, I've seen I don't know how many movies, tens horror. of thousands. Horror, you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. and. Um, this is up there. This is probably the, in mm. the top one percent of the some one of the worst disturbing movies I ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, I thought honestly, I thought what is that from Halt Tension? I thought Halt Tension was bad. Halt Tension's bad, but I think this captures something else. This, I mean, this, the yeah depravity. I, I, depravity. Um, I mean, this is done like a Blair Witch movie. Um, yeah, so it's, it's basically project. shot from a found footage. Like, um, view. Yeah. Point of view. Uh, so, so a lot of it, it is. It starts off really good, and then it just spirals. Yeah. So, so for I would say two thirds of the film, it's watchable. Yeah. But then you get to the the last leg of the film, which is the final act of the film, that's the most disturbing. So, if you make it to that point and you don't think you can watch the rest, then don't. Please don't, don't because I actually had to close my eyes because some of it was so great. Yeah, it's. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, it's not interesting. It's not interesting. But it's so weird that not the, the right guy word. that did this... Yeah, Michael is, is Goy. Dun, is done Glee. Michael Goy. Michael Goy is the writer and director of... Uh, writer? Yeah, writer and director of this. Um, and if you... I had not heard of Michael Goy before, and I should have, 
because he is an excellent cinematographer and has done many movies and some of them huge and he's yeah and like Jeremy said he was he's worked on Glee he's worked on um, American Horror Story American Horror Story so this guy knows his stuff okay um, but this movie was came into such harsh criticism um, when it was released in 2011 so it actually took Michael Goy um, five years to get this to get funding for this film because no one would fund it and he finally got it from Anchor Bay and they released it five years after so it was yeah. actually shot in 2006 so the time frame fits the film really well everything's like the technology that's used in it is from the same time the the, um, the actors and um, the actors and actresses are all the right age so it's very realistic in that sense and in and, and some and in, like I said in the final part of it it's too realistic for some, for me I um, I've seen a lot of horror movies I can tell you and there is a difference between horror which you know is not real and a movie like this which is way too realistic yeah it's it's and too it's too bleak yeah yeah I, I mean I love bleak yeah. movies but yeah. man this yeah, is there, there's basically level. okay so you know I was saying a couple of weeks back that I really like movies that go against the grain you know and don't end up being like roses and unicorns and everything's happy but this takes that to the, the absolute extreme so there's nothing nothing good at all at the end um, and, and I think that's yeah. really important that it, for it, people it, it to just, know it just gets, prior. It, but like even when it ends there's a sequence afterwards yeah that makes it even worse and it's like <laughs> it you've got it you got to be kidding it's like me. we've in, we've injured you so so much now but we're going to torture you just that much more that's what it's like yeah mm. um i found it i found it interesting that the parents agreed to this yeah so um i did i did a fair bit of research on this and um, so if you you know if you are at all worried about the actors and actresses because they were teenagers taking part in this film, um, Michael Goy covered that really well. He he made sure that he had all of the parents on site and agreed to every, and agreed to and, everything. And, and that if they, they did didn't want to do it, they didn't do it. Yeah, but they agreed so to it. so when you watch that, so that does give you a bit of an insight when you if you do choose to see this, um, because it makes you realise that the parents were actually there watching every scene. So, um, which I actually think is kind of disturbing in its own sense. Yeah. But again, it brings that whole... Okay, and, and, and it came under harsh criticism, not because of its controversial aspect. People were, people were talking about the, the acting being really poor. And this, um, the, yeah, so the acting, I think, was the biggest thing. And the characters that were written, people were really hard... Like one in particular interviewer, uh, sorry, a journalist, I can't remember who it was, but I read that he actually hoped that the main character would die. And he put that into his review. He actually hoped that yeah, the main character... And that, and that because was, the main character to him was so annoying. So yeah. he actually wished that they would go missing. Which I just think is ridiculous. I'm sorry. Because you take a lot... These kids, a lot of them, were first-time actors. They'd never done anything like this before. So let's, you know, let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt here. You know, that... I actually think the main actress was really good. I actually, she... Megan? Yeah, she was so real. Like, yes, yeah. It was so realistic for me. Like, the other girl, you could tell Amy wasn't... And um, the, the, the actress that played Megan, who was the main character in the story, she had, had, she had done advertising work before. That's it. Like, you know, doing ads. That's pretty much it. The, girl, the other girl that played her best friend, Amy, nothing. It was her first time in front of a camera, so to speak. So... You kind of, you know, when when you're, you know, reacting to that, it's kind of like you have to put it into perspective. He, you know, and in, in terms of Michael Goy pushing boundaries, I mean, yeah, he definitely did. He but definitely pushed boundaries, um, but I think I think this is a movie that you watch once, yeah, and, and never again, never again, never and again. There's some other movies that um, I won't see because they're just, you know, but. Too but just too, but too depraved. Yeah. Um, this one should have been on that list. Yeah. Um, I was warned. <laughs> the thing is, I was warned um, twice, and, and honestly, when I was warned, I just wanted to see it more, just because I wanted to know yeah, what it is that is putting I people think, off. I think that's the sad thing. I've, well, yeah. Is I it your curiosity gets your curiosity gets yeah, and um, obviously Michael Goy has come out because of it that TikTok trend coming out, 
and saying 26 million views it's had now yeah when it says when you get to photo one you've got four seconds to turn it off at that yeah. point so so yeah so we'll say that again if you do choose to watch this film at the very end what the last last few scenes of the movie um there are some photos photo, photo one. one and photo two that yeah. are shown you have exactly four seconds to actually look away otherwise you'll see the really disturbing part. Um, and there's, there there is another to. part at the very yeah, end. Yeah. And Actually, that whole part at the end. I would just say at that point to switch it off. I couldn't watch it. It's too... I had it, my hand over my eyes. It was too, it it's, was too it's disturbing. It's insanely gruesome and mm. just totally depraved and... Yeah. 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 There's not really much else we can say. It's a very disturbing film. Uh, and I think that that is also the reason why it got such harsh ratings. And I actually think that's wrong because... I mean, there are a lot of other horror movies that I've seen that are, you know, that maybe not as realistically disturbing as this, because you can actually picture this happening, and I'm sure it actually has. Maybe not as on this level, but there have been some horrible things happening in the world. So, you know, we know that sometimes this is this is what happens to people who go missing, um, and I think that's part of the reason why it was it was rated so harshly because I think people were just so shocked. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's it's it's insanely it's it's a weird movie because it starts off so kind of normal and mm. then it just spirals yeah yeah it's <laughs> i don't know what else to say like jeez yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, this is probably the most graphic movie we'll ever review um i'm hoping yeah we don't really like to review movies like this but we do it because you know, it's it's media, it's out there, it's being watched by millions of people now because of... It, it. That's the really uncanny thing, is that we decided to watch this. We didn't know anything, yeah, about, the didn't know anything, about, anything about the TikTok thing. And then Jeremy said to me, hey, there's something going on with this film. It's like all over the internet right now. And then I looked it up and it's because it started trending on TikTok. Yeah, and this and was 26 already, million and, people and, yeah, have seen it. And this was already on our schedule to watch anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it was in our, it was on my watch list for a yeah. couple for a year or two. Yeah. So, um yeah, if you're on TikTok you probably already know what this is what this movie is all about. Michael Goy, you're 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 just depraved. Sorry. <laughs> just yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we really have nothing more to say about Nothing that. more to say. We gave that a two out of five. Two out of five. And the only reason why we gave it two is because well, the reason why I believe it deserved at least two stars was because it pushed the boundaries. It it did really push people's limits, artistic limits, as to what they can do with the with their creativity. And that's really all yeah. that's the only good thing I can say about this. Yep. Yep. <laughs> cool. I Okay. So sorry to end it on such sorry a sorry to end it on, sorry a, to end bad note. To end, yeah, on um, such a downer, but yeah, sometimes we do see movies. Yeah, like we do, and I think I think in some ways you you have to push yourself. This is this is something that got a little too yeah, <laughs> a little too pushy. Even for us, um, and we've seen a lot of horror a lot movies. Lot of horrors. Yeah. So yeah, so we don't you know we don't we don't watch movies like this in general, but not like this. Yeah. Um. So what's next on the agenda? What are we going to do? We're going to do more sort. More civil Yeehaw. war. <laughs> more western. Yeehaw. Yeah, I think we yeah. should do more westerns. Do more westerns. Mm. Um, there's a there's a lot of movies that have come out. A lot of movies are, um, and then maybe next week we can talk about the Mandalorian because the biggest episode is next week. Yes. So we haven't talked about the Mandalorian today. We have seen the latest episode, but we'll be reviewing we'll do a that. Double, double yeah, review. we'll do a double double episode review next week because next week is. The, Man the Mandalorian episode is called The Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> so exciting. Yeah. So yeah. So we're going to have great stuff to talk about next week. Awesome. But thank you very much for listening. Again, thank you, um, thank you for all the downloads that we're getting from our blog. We really appreciate you guys listening. Um, and we will catch you same time next week. Yeah. See ya. See ya. Bye.